Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. Uh, it's kind of hard to follow a children's sermon with fire, so I'll do my best. I don't have any awesome <laughs> props like that. Um, I'll think of one for next time. So um, Pastor Jim's gone, so he asked me a few weeks ago if I would fill in for him and preach today. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to come here and, uh, and stand up and um, to get into God's Word and to study that and prepare together um, and to really just hear from God this morning and what He wants to teach our hearts. But uh, He also gave me an opportunity to speak to you for a few minutes before the sermon about what um, God has been doing in my life and where He's calling me right now. And so for those of you who know me, well, some of you do, some of you don't, so let me just wind back. So my name's Ryan. And I moved down here from Washington State about almost three years ago now. Um, I became a Christian and surrendered my life to Christ um, uh, a year before I moved here. So um, I moved down here. God put a desire in my heart, I believe, to join the SEAL program. And so I trained back in Washington for a while and then... uh, I felt like God was calling me down here to try and apply uh, in San Diego. You can apply from wherever, wherever you live, but I felt like this is where I needed to be. So I sold most of my stuff and uh, packed up my car full of clothes and my dog, and that was about all I brought down, and drove down here and showed up in Coronado. And I was staying in a timeshare over across the bay, and uh, the woman working at the front desk, Lisa, I asked her, you know, I'm going to be here on Sunday are there any good churches here in San Diego? You know, it's a huge city. I'm sure there's tons of them. She's like, yeah, I know a good church on Coronado Island. There's lots of um, Navy, Navy folk there. I'm sure you might be able to run into some people, you know, there that could help you out. And anyway, so I showed up and, and sat next to her and her family. And um, this has been my home church ever since. And it was awesome. It felt really like home right from the get-go. But uh, shortly after getting here, I got plugged in with this great church, good Bible study over here with Fitz in the mornings before the service, and then a friend invited me on base to go to the Navy um, Navigators Bible study, and uh, that was pretty awesome. So I started to grow a lot and learn a lot in the Bible study over there, and then I met some some other people that were talking about discipleship, and they're very discipleship-focused, and it's a word I really never came across in my first 12 months as a Christian, and so... Uh, I was like, yeah, that, that's exactly what I need. That's what I've been wanting. I just didn't know there was a word for it. And so I started to learn, and, and uh, some other people started to meet with me, and I started to be discipled and mentored, and I just started to grow in my walk with the Lord um, from there, and it's been amazing. And then soon after moving here and becoming a, starting to get discipled, God just put this desire that just grew and grew and grew more every day to go into full-time ministry. But I was kind of like resistant to it because I'm like, no, like, yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe after one day when I retire, I really want to go into the Navy. I want to be a Navy SEAL. So I was applying for the Navy, putting a package in and waiting to hear back. And then uh, it just kept growing and growing and growing. I was praying that God would give me direction and some clarity and discernment on, okay, God, this is a big fork in the road. I need to know which path you want me to take. And I wasn't really getting an answer. And then... um, one night, Nate was like, hey, I'm going to deliver some couches on the island. Uh, I sold them on Craigslist. You want to help me? So we went and dropped them off in the alley. And um, it happened to be, I asked the girl that, we, that bought the couches, hey, what, 
what are you doing here on the island? You know, what, what brings you to Coronado? Most, there's not a whole lot of young 20-somethings living on Coronado. So he's like, oh, I moved here to start Young Life. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I've been thinking about starting Young Life on the island because I didn't know it was here. She's like, yeah, we just started it, but we don't have any guy leaders. We've been praying for them. So um, I was like, okay, that's interesting. So um, I started to pray about it, and God was really clear with me. I was on my way up to a, a pastor's conference up at um, John MacArthur's church, and and he was really clear that I needed to go back to San Diego after the conference and meet with Kelsey and, and talk about being a Young Life leader. So we talked and we prayed, and I was like, sign me up. I want to do this. This is awesome. So I started, you know, I signed the papers, and I officially was kind of doing ministry and hadn't really done anything yet. And she was like, hey, we're going on a sailing trip uh, for like three days out on the ocean. We're going to take 15 kids, and we're going to have small groups and Bible studies and, and just have a great time out there. And and hear from God, and I was like, all right, let's do it, but I was, I started fasting, so I was fasting to try to discern and get, just draw near to the Lord and ask Him for direction on where I should go with um, SEALs or full-time ministry, so uh, it was not a good time to go on a sailing trip, but I went anyways, and I ended up cooking lots of food for the kids, so I smelled a lot of the burgers and stuff and got really tempted to eat, but um, uh, I really felt like I needed to keep fasting until I heard an answer. And then I was sharing my testimony with everyone on the on the ship the final night, <clears throat> telling them why I moved to San Diego and how God had led me here and where I'm at right now. And I got to like present day, like, all right, here I am now. I'm on this boat with you guys. And I'm looking at all these high school students that were awesome. And I went there to like minister to them and to bless them. And God just used them in that moment, just gave me this aha moment. Like, look at what you're doing right now. This is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. And um, so from that moment on, I felt called and, and certain of my calling into ministry. So I came back and I pulled my application out of the Navy and said, thanks, but I have another plan now. And um, I've been serving in Young Life and helping lead the Navigator's Bible Study for the last couple of years. And I've been able to um, help the Sunday school class. And this is the second time that I've got to come up here and, and preach. So I'm, I'm really excited. But I say all that just to give you a background of kind of who I am and where God's leading me because um, God was finally, this last June, gave me clarity on what direction and what ministry he wanted me to go into. And that ministry that God has called me into is the Navigators. And if you've never heard of the Navigators, um, it's a group, a ministry that was started a little bit before Young Life and back in 1933 in the Navy. Um, a guy, God got a hold of a guy in the Navy named Dawson Trotman, and he started having a little Bible study on his ship. And it expanded, and more people started coming, and more people got saved, and they just kept growing, and then World War II happened. And then they exploded the Navigator's ministry to different ships and different commands in the Navy in World War II. And then it expanded even more out into the other services. And then after World War II, it started to grow in different avenues. People started taking different directions like, oh, I want to serve over here. There's collegiate ministry. There's all these different avenues of focus the navigators have. So it's a really amazing ministry that just focuses on discipleship. And uh, the navigator's vision or mission statement, if you will, is to advance the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom into the nations through spiritual generations of laborers living and discipling among the lost. I kind of get there, we kind of get our, our calling and mission statement from 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, which says, You have heard me teach things, 
that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will then be able to pass them on to others. So that's that, that discipleship, that spiritual generations of multiplication from one to the next to disciple and pour into someone who can then, you can train and equip them to pour into someone else. And so that's where we get that. But I'm really excited to go into full-time ministry, and I'm going in specifically to the Navy Navigators mission field. So I'm going to be a full-time missionary with the Navigators, focused on my mission field being the military, which is predominantly the Navy and Marine Corps out here in San Diego. So my desire is to go out onto the bases. We're holding a Bible study, and we have all kinds of different groups and outreach programs, and to spend time with the sailors and tell them about Jesus and the ones who come to know him or already know him to come alongside of them and equip them and teach them and help them grow in their faith and walk with the Lord so that they can go back to their ship and start that multiplication process all over again and share that with others. They come back to their commands. They can PCS overseas. And it's amazing, if you think about it, the mission um, using the military as a catalyst for missions because we don't, we can train up and disciple people in the military, and then Uncle Sam foots the bill to send them all over the world. So it's a pretty cool strategy. But I just share that with you because um, Pastor Jim and the leadership team have um, offered to be my main sending church, essentially supporting me, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm excited to see just how God works through that, and I need to raise all my own support to do this and ministry expenses and all that good stuff to be a full-time missionary here. And um, so I just wanted to present that to you guys and ask you to pray. And I'd love to meet with any of you who want to grab a coffee, grab lunch or dinner sometime, and just talk about what my vision with the Navigators is and what I want to do to advance the kingdom in the military. And uh, if you want to become um, a part of that, whether prayer, financial support, whatever it is, I would love to talk more with you about that. So I'll be available afterwards. So let me pray, and then we'll get into my message here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this church and everybody who comes through the doors, whether it's their first time here or they've been here for decades. God, we know that you are sovereign and you bring us to where we need to be in the right moment, at the right time, around the right people, and you bring us to hear the right message. Lord Jesus, you are King and you are Lord, and you are our Savior, and we just ask that you would grow us together as a church community, that we would live life together for you, on mission for you, unified into what you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you want to, I'm going to bounce around from different scriptures, but the main passage will be Philippians chapter 4, so if you'd like to open up and flip there, feel free. So I want to talk to you today about our role in missions. And it's kind of a couple different approaches. Our individual role in missions that God calls us to, and also our collective role as a church in missions. There's four basic things that I pull from the text. We basically, to send out, and to pray, and to encourage, and to give. And there's a lot of different aspects of that, but it's this amazing cycle and, uh, and structure that God has given us. So 
I want to talk about missions in these major ways. So what is God's mission? We've got to start there. What is the mission? If we don't know what our mission is, all right, those of you who are in the military, if you don't have mission coherence, all right, you're going you're gonna to have mission creep, and you're going to start doing other things, and you're not going to be unified. We need unity as a church, as the body of Christ, to be on the same mission. So we need to know what God's mission is. What is Jesus' mission here? What is the point of all this? Why are we Christians? Why were we saved and not just called off into heaven right away to be with him, but left here on earth? So God's mission, I paraphrase it this way, is to achieve the redemption of a rebellious and sinful human race by the death and resurrection of his own son, Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven and sacrificed himself in our place, and secured forgiveness for our sin by his grace, which can only be received through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you're a Christian, the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, he says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one, Jesus, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We the people are the church, all right? In Greek, ekklesia, meaning the called out ones, right? It just says right here, we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we are called... Um, to be light and be on mission, a common mission. Jesus gives us our mission to labor together as our co-mission, right? the great commission. Mark sixteen fifteen says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. And at the end of the gospel of Matthew, after uh, Jesus was raised from the dead, he spent 40 days appearing and spending time with people Jesus calls his disciples to meet with him on the mountain. And so he said, go. And they met him there for one final grand instruction, one final mission instruction. Matthew 28, 18, you're all familiar with this most famous great commission text. Then Jesus came near to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus commissions us all to proclaim the gospel, the good news of who he is and what he's done for mankind. He commands us to go and make followers of him, to make disciples of all peoples and all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he gives us two major approaches to this in joining in his work in this ministry, individually and collectively, like I mentioned before. We're all called to participate and endeavor in both categories. Most Christians are pretty familiar with the call for each of us to make disciples individually. Uh, we do this in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our cities, our communities, but we're also called by God and invited to join in the providential work of raising up and sending out missionaries. Every single Christian is called to make disciples. All Christians are to be involved in missions, but not every Christian is called to be sent out as a missionary. 
It's important to know your gifts and your role that God is asking you to play in advancing the kingdom. So missionaries are sent out. And why are we sent out? Well, first, we're sent out because we're to imitate our Savior because that's what Jesus had done. He was sent by the Father. In Luke 4, Jesus reads in the synagogue from Isaiah 61, he says, The Father has sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. So before we are sent, Jesus is sent, and all of us are a continuation of that work. So we all have a role to play in fulfilling God's plan to reach every tongue, people, and nation with the gospel of Christ. God designed us to work together and to use our resources and our spiritual gifts to function as one body with many members, but with one goal in mind and with one great high priest who we serve and one ultimate mission to fulfill with our short time here in this world. The Bible gives us a great example of how churches and individuals can partner with missionaries to advance, advance the gospel out into the world. So Paul, during his second missionary journey in the early 50s, that would be the early, the first 50s, just A.D. 50, uh, Paul received a vision from God to extend his work into the province, Providence, um, province, I'm sorry, of Macedonia in Europe. All right, you can see in Acts 16. At Philippi, the chief city of that region, Paul establishes the first church in that region. As time passed, local opposition grew, and it became expedient for them to move on to other cities. Paul kept in contact, though, with the church in Philippi, and the church kept in contact with Paul, even financially supporting his work in Thessalonica. Paul would once again visit this area during his third missionary journey, at which time um, the Macedonian churches gave generously to assist the poor in Jerusalem. And Paul personally took these offerings that they gave to Jerusalem himself. While there, Paul encountered more opposition from the Jews, and this led to his imprisonment. And uh, he was imprisoned in Caesarea for about two years. So at this point, Paul appeared, um, he appealed to Caesar in Acts 25, and he was sent to Rome to go before Caesar. And the Philippian church learned that Paul was imprisoned, and they sent um, someone to Rome with a gift to provide for Paul's needs. You can see in Philippians 4 here. So throughout this 10-year period, this is like a 10-year period, if you're reading through Scripture, you're flipping a couple pages, and you're like, wow, it's 10 years of Paul doing um, missionary work, and this Philippian church supporting him and encouraging him. It's pretty cool. And it was, uh, they were significantly involved in Paul's missionary work. In the first chapter of Philippians, Paul recalls their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, Philippians 1.5. In the last chapter of Philippians, Paul highlights, highlights this uniqueness of this partnership and that the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. So <clears throat> there's three major things that come out of this text. Pray, encourage, give. These are some of the things, this reciprocal relationship um, that Paul had with this sending church. It was really cool. In chapter 1, as Paul updates the church about his situation in Rome and his defense of the gospel, he's confident, quote, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. Paul assumes that the church was praying for him. 
So we should pray. Likely, Paul has evidence to base the statement upon. Either his own interactions with the church over the previous 10 years would lead him to this conclusion, or that the man that they sent to provide for him told Paul straight to his face that the people were praying for him back at the church in Philippi. Thus, the first part of the mission partnership is based on prayer. Prayer for the frontline worker <clears throat> is the best form of support. However, there's more than su- that a supporting church can do for a missionary. Encourage. In chapter 2, we learn that those at Philippi sent this man, as Paul says, to complete what was deficient in your service to me. I would assume that, that this man's arrival was a great encouragement to Paul um, while he was in chains and in prison. And certainly, um, he brought good news from the church that Paul speaks about, and of their love, and of their concern for Paul, and a personal greeting. And as the proverb says, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. I'm just thinking of Marwan here, our missionary who's in uh, Dubai and uh, Beirut, Lebanon. So if you think of him, um, obviously pray for him. I know a lot of you are, but Uh, You can get his contact info from the church if you don't have it to send him just a short card or a letter of encouragement, something like that. How sweet would that be for him to receive something from us? Um, There's growing awareness that frontline workers need to encouragement and care. Uh, Frontline work can be discouraging and difficult. I mean, I can't even imagine right now in some of the places the world people are serving. So the trend today is to delegate, delegate missionary care to a missionary sending organization or agency, supporting churches also have a huge role. Supporting churches expect Christian workers to be in regular contact with them. In the same way, I think the church needs to be in regular contact with those workers. Visits, care packages, cards, telephone calls, and correspondence are just some of the ways we can help and encourage and care for these people. Um, Give. In chapter 4, we learn that the church also sent a financial gift with the person they sent to encourage Paul. This was not the first time that the Philippians had financially supported Paul's missionary work. Uh, You yourselves also know Philippians. This is Paul here. You yourselves also know Philippians that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone, even For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. That's Philippians 4, 15 and 16. And then from Acts 17, we know that Paul went to Thessalonica after leaving Philippi. Here we learn that Philippians sent several gifts to support Paul's work. We also see that this was the only church to support Paul's work. No wonder he was so thankful for this particular group of believers. Now, <clears throat> Paul says here in Philippians 4.17, he says, not that I seek the gift itself when he's writing to them, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. This passage reveals a really important truth about giving. There is much more here than just a financial transaction between two parties. There's a third party involved, and that's God. And he's very involved. He is the accountant who gives the Philippian church, who gave to Paul, credit in their heavenly account for supporting Paul. 
I just think of that verse that says, lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and dust can't destroy. There is treasure. There are some things that you can do and that we can reap and that we can sow here in this life that last for all eternity. Thus, as we look at the mission partnership of the Philippian church with the Apostle Paul, we see that they prayed for him. They sent they sent a man all the way to Paul while he was in prison to encourage him. I'm sure they had to pay for that journey and provide for his provision, his food. Like that was a that was probably a huge, huge thing in those days. And uh, <clears throat> they financially supported Paul as well. I would consider these three essential practices for any missionary sending church. Of course, a great commission church is made up of great commission individuals. So these practices should characterize our individual lives too. Romans 10, you'll see there in verses 13, 14, and 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm not even sure what uh, our missions budget is. We're going to have a, a, a meeting. You can look at the budgets that are printed. Um, but we, we do a lot of work at this church, and it's pretty amazing. And um, a lot of our hearts are really set to just encourage people and support each other, to support Marwan. It's pretty amazing. But um, this was just challenging to me to be like, to ask myself, what, what am I doing? Um, what is it costing me to to continue and advance the gospel and his kingdom into the community that we live and into the world. Um, So, and how are we going to reach the nations? It's not just about reaching our neighbors that the Great Commission doesn't say, just reach the people that are right next to you. That is clearly something we are obligated to do. But it expands that so much further into the nations, all right, all people of the world and into Jerusalem, you see that scripture that says, I will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God just takes that scripture and he walks it out a little bit bigger every time and goes to the end of the earth. And look at Romans chapter 10. It says, how are we going to do this? How then, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone telling them? And how can anyone go tell them unless they are sent? Let us be a church full of people who ask the questions in Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8 says, the Lord says, who should I send? Who will go for us? And let us be a church of people who answer, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this church and how you have built us into a small community and a small part of your body many members with different gifts and different roles and different resources. And we've been blessed in so many ways, God. And I just pray that all of us would reflect and go to you in prayer and ask you, Lord, how, how is it that you want us to work together 
with everyone else here in this church so we can not just work individually doing our own thing, but that we work collectively for your mission, for your purpose, to proclaim the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, and to take that into our community, into our city, to other nations, to other people groups of different languages, that we can send those people out who are called as their purpose and that we can listen to our purpose that you've called us to disciple among the community around us and to support with the resources and the prayers that we have for others. God, may we be unified as a church here at First Baptist Coronado to send people out and to go out ourselves into the world and make disciples. We pray that we would do this by your power, with your Holy Spirit, In Jesus' name, amen.